What's up, everybody? Jordan Stoltz here, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Today's show is a Motivation Monday, but it's a special one because it's an interview. It's been a while since I've come out with one of my conversations I have with some pretty great people, and today's show is one of those. It's my conversation this past week with Coach John Wolf from Onnit. I went down to the Onnit headquarters, took a sweet tour, had an awesome smoothie, checked out the cool facilities, uh, but also had an amazing conversation with John Wolf. This is actually one of those conversations that that really really gave me a different perspective on things as far as health and fitness are concerned. I think this is something that we all need to hear. Um, I think it's something that that a lot of people don't think about are the things he talks about. He gives his really interesting story. He goes into topics on mobility, on health, on feeling your best. And I think that's the conversation that we all should be having with ourselves and with other people is, you know, is what we're doing making us into a better person, a more optimized human in 10, 20, 30 years down the road and not just in 12 weeks or one year, right? Thinking about this longer picture, doing things properly and actually going through the proper processes that we need to to move better and to feel better. It's a great conversation. I know you guys will like it. If you do like it, go show Coach John Wolf some love. Go follow him on Instagram at Coach John Wolf, and I will link all that in the full description of the podcast, everything we talk about. Let him know the fitness, food, and freedom sent you, uh, and please subscribe to the show so you get awesome content like this delivered to your device automatically. Thanks for joining me. Now here's my conversation with Coach John Wolf. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. All right, we are live. Uh, all right, so I'm here with John Wolf at the Onnit headquarters. Uh, I guess just start by telling me a little bit about your background. So just t- uh, talk about where you grew up, how you grew up, what you're into. Stay, stay, stay away from fitness for now. Just uh, all right, just yeah. your, your your childhood, young John. Oh wow, young John. <laughs> young John was known as John John. That was my nickname, and I grew up in Monterey, California kind of a beautiful place to grow up yeah I i've been say. there actually have you yeah the aquarium the That's aquarium what. all right yeah, <laughs> yeah people know about the aquarium you know so if you're not familiar with the area you got laguna seca pebble beach pacific grove santa cruz all in that neighborhood oh, big sur is just down the road it's a really beautiful place um <clears throat> but of course you know hey growing up none of us really appreciate where we're growing up and even if it is amazing or it's just hard to appreciate until you leave and come back right mm-hmm. um but yeah, uh, not in fitness so much in my youth, but in martial arts was where oh, okay. I invested a lot of time and energy. And then... <clears throat> when did you start? Like Four. Age four. Age four, oh, yeah. That's Boxing, crazy. judo, jiu-jitsu, and karate. It was, was kind of, wow. uh, you know, mixed martial arts, you know, but it was not in the sense of what mixed martial arts is now, which is a sport, but it was right. a, an amalgam of traditional martial arts styles. My, my sensei was a hand-to-hand combat instructor at Fort Ord, which was a military base there, infantry base. And then, you know, his in his travels, he had taken up studies in a variety of different martial systems, 
from Western boxing to Chinese boxing to karate, jiu-jitsu. It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty fun. Wow. Know? What, what was there like a specific one that you specialized in as much as like a young com- kid could? Yeah. I competed in judo a lot. In so, judo? Yeah. So nice. did a lot of states, national stuff. So was that like your parents wanted you to get into like martial arts just for movement sake or is that kind of like you were like hey i want to do this no i i my dad just dictated i went to the martial arts because i was too much of a pushover as a kid you know I oh it's a toughen up yeah i didn't have yeah i didn't have <laughs> didn't have a aggressive bone in my nature so oh, okay you know, i sh- grew up in a rougher neighborhood came home without my toys he's like where are your toys you know you can't come home without your toys or without an ass whooping otherwise you're going to get the ladder you know oh, okay. so i was like oh okay well and so they just realized it wasn't in my nature to be fighting over stuff. Aggressive. They just felt yeah. like they needed needed me to have that ability as yeah. a young man. So I, I really appreciated it. I actually learned a lot of what drives me every day in, in business and as a person through the experience at, at the martial arts. And the yeah, talk, talk a little more about that, I think. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in like – how you're brought up kind of dictates the habits and the practices that you put in now. I mean, Uh even little things that require some kind of discipline or confidence, if you do them consistently, I think will make a huge difference eventually. I might have my own stories about that too, but like, I'd love to hear yours. Do you think that martial arts starting young, I assume like you went since you're here now, I assume you continued on with that quite a while. For for eight years, eight years, that, yeah, that's that quite a while. Yeah, and then I would come back and revisit, revisit a practice uh, in in that school as well as visiting other other schools, and always felt that that was a great physical base. You yeah, know, uh, I, I was always kind of more of a nerdy kid, you know, so I was quiet and introverted, and and you know was in the advanced classes or whatever, you know, it really was more academic, but uh, because of that physical base and movement base I had. Um, I was always able to, you know, hold my own with the jocks, whether they were big or small or do whatever, you know, like physically I was never, never a pushover. Right. Yeah. And so, so that was really good. Um, but beyond that, especially as, as a business person or just an overview of, of what's practical and what works, you know, a lot of times. So that, that school of thought was really powerful for me because, Hey, well, you know, you always heard, before mixed martial arts, you know, you box a wrestler, you wrestle a boxer, right? You know, yeah. well, I had the tools to do both. You know, if somebody wanted to punch me and they're faster than me, I'd grab them and throw them on their head, you know? Yeah. And if they wanted to, to wrestle, I'd punch them in the face, you know? So it's like, okay, well, I had the option of choosing one versus the other. Most of the time, people are entrenched in one option. Mm-hmm. And I would, what I realized is uh, uh, that the, having that non dogmatic approach to doing what works. In real time, right? What's most effective right now? What's going to get the outcome I need and want? Mm-hmm. It, it came from that creative process in martial arts because of the eclectic background of, of that school that I was at, but also applies in business and in, in designing our educational curricula. Is like just because it's how people are doing it doesn't make it it's the, the right ultimately the most right way we have to contextualize information and do what's right at that time for that person yeah um so in in the sense of with the martial arts it was about disintegrating somebody's body tactically right you know Mm -hmm. strategically um well in this case with fitness it's a lot of times empowering somebody through a physical practice so but but even though 
the outcomes were totally on the opposite side of the spectrum, the thought process of what the best approach is and not being attached to one, I think is really useful. Yeah. Do you think that I talked, like we were just talking before this, I guess for the listeners too, that um, I interviewed Zach Evanesh quite a while ago and pretty much the whole time we talked about this and that's really his big message and who he trains his kids, right? Uh Like getting kids kind of, he toughens up the kids, right? And gets them to actually show some intensity and aggressiveness and go after things. Do you think that something like training, uh, like whether it's strength training or martial arts training for a kid is really important? Like if, if you could implement that in all schools or the, how kids learn through their childhood, would that be part of every child's life or do you think that that you can learn those lessons elsewhere i guess you know i because of my background right so i was more in this individual sport you know combat sports right and then i never really played team sports in an organized fashion but Mm -hmm. i've always seen the impact of of them i think i think it's important to have a pursuit and a practice i think would it make it blanket statement global? Everybody's mandated to do something, any one thing. I think it gets back to what I was saying before. And p- people need different stimulus, you know, it's different stimuli. They respond different to different stimuli. People yeah. learn different. Uh, some people are going to express the best version of themselves through an artistic outlet. Maybe it's more musical than physical. And mm-hmm. I think, I think the thing is, is for me, it's really important to find the thing that resonates with someone's soul and and allowing them to pursue that passion. Some people find that when they're young. Some people don't find it ever. And I think that's where the pain comes from. Like for me, that martial arts background gave me a framework of understanding of things that I really valued, not only in terms of physical practice, but like uh, what it meant to be a good person. There was bylaws mm-hmm. and there's structure and like – being an educator, being a teacher in that environment really drove me to understand things that I value as a person, being a protector of people's rights and being diligent in a practice. Um, but I've seen other people excel through similar pursuits in academics or music or physical, physical outlets that I've never participated in like team sports. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, yeah, I think everybody should have something and should seek out, trying everything till you find the thing that really sets you ablaze but but i can i think i know it's a hard process and not all children have the resources to do it and i Mm -hmm. think that's the shame yeah the shame to realize that a lot of people might never find that passion that's true i think that a, a big part of it too is maybe not for children necessarily but just for any of us that uh working on things that we need to work on and kind of do doing something we're not used to and really balancing ourselves out i guess i mean if you were you know you're pretty young but if you're like a shy more nerdy kid like you said you know this is a polar opposite thing that you would expect to do right or that the kids maybe at school would expect you to be into Mm -hmm. but i think that can kind of apply later on in the opposite way as well right like somebody who i've you know working with a lot of athletes and stuff people that are really competitive and aggressive and train hard and have that high intensity and that driven mind all the time, like maybe getting into something more creative or something where they can just put their thoughts out in a different way. I, I think that's really valuable too, like to, to get that well-roundedness. So I, just a thought, I guess. No, I think, the- I think that's really cool. I actually get a kick out of that because, you know, I think 
it's funny. People like to assume that one answer is the best answer, right? So yeah. it's the one that they're attached to emotionally. So some people will say like, well, you play to your strengths. And some people will say, well, you need to work on your weaknesses. I say, well, fuck. Uh, yeah yes to both how about that yeah but it's there's 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 a time and place too like so i think in your youth a lot of times you have to learn to play to your strengths Mm -hmm. you know and 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 acknowledge your your things you need to work on and and develop yourself as a person your character around those things but but um but it's really important i think for a lot of people early to to find where they really uniquely have the ability to do something empowering and, and in this individualized, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, but, but then I think that there's a time and place where you got to realize like, so I get to work with athletes. So I get to work with, uh, tactical operators and then they become a, overly attached to the path that they walk to get where they are. But then you got to realize what got you here isn't going to get you to the next level sometimes. Right. right? So sometimes you got to vary your approach. You can't only just play to your, the strengths that you had 100 percent agree yeah, yeah every, everything's good until it's not good anymore and uh-huh. i think that that's one of those things where people stop assessing whether they're getting a high rate of a return on investment of the things that they've already attached value to or versus just going through the motions and doing them like sometimes they really they, that's why we all need coaches right somebody to yeah. point point that out yeah for sure so you're doing martial arts you started young and you went eight years uh-huh. so uh you're somewhere in your teens uh, at that point, or just just like before 12, yeah. preteen, uh, did that pretty much go right into fitness, or was it is it kind of a up and down road that got you into fitness? I know p- typically people have some kind of moment that gets them there, but oh uh, yeah, I mean, well, shoot, I was always physical, right? So I said that I play, you know, tackle football on the weekends with all the guys or mm-hmm. whatever, you know that in off season or turkey bowl, you know, and do all that fun stuff. But I, I wasn't really into fitness per se. When I was in my teens, I did, you know, have my little gym set up in the garage with the concrete, uh, concrete weights, yeah. barbells. You yeah. Know? They just crumble after a while and start <laughs> yeah. pouring out dust. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a curls with the girls and much more like muscle magazine type of workouts, you know, um, very bodybuilding centric kind of focuses right. and that was true for for my teens and i think it's true for most of us oh, you know yeah. for uh i don't know that we've with unconventional fitness or performance type of uh, functional fitness i don't think we've really overcome the attachment to aesthetics for a young man to, no to be attached value to and i think that we're, we're a long ways away from that still probably yeah. but um but yeah so i didn't really wasn't into fitness so much other than just the aesthetic training around bodybuilding. And then for me, the big turning point was actually well after that I'd gotten into less than productive lifestyle habits. Let's just put it that way. It involved a lot of partying and a lot of consumption of things. And so, um, fitness was actually something I revisited looking back at, well, when was I mentally, physically and emotionally, empowered to really change my lifestyle was when I had the discipline in martial arts, as you had Mm. said earlier about discipline and passion, you know, a pursuit. And so I looked at my adulthood martial art as the option I had, I thought was was the smartest was wasn't a traditional martial art is actually using unconventional fitness methodologies, which are all inspired by martial, martial practices. Most of them, uh, swinging clubs and maces. Those are, 
medieval tools of, yeah. of destruction, you know, their weapons. So that's martial in nature, right? And so a lot of these things <clears throat> have influences through martial arts. So attaching that conscious stream of what I did experience in martial arts and applying it into this realm of fitness became kind of my new martial practice. And, and that was what I used to kind of dig myself out of the the, the hole I put myself in with okay. bad lifestyle choices. So I was going to dig into that a little bit deeper on like how how you self-reflected at that point in your life, I guess, to see like I need to to get into this again because I was at my best at this point. Was that was fitness something that you always kind of used throughout that whole process and it never really went away? It was just like I need to just get better as a person. Like was there a moment where you're like – a total self-reflection moment that you're like, I need to change. Like I'm going nowhere and I need to, I need to figure this out. And oh I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. I was 130 pounds, you know, and, wow. and, and strung out. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think that when I would reflect on the, the physical nature that I had, even if it wasn't like an aggressive physical nature, but a very competent physical presence at all okay. times in my life. And then realize like I'm in this state where as an adult, I was weighing the same thing I weighed in eighth grade. You know sure. what I mean? And was I physically competent? Why well, I was tired all the time. I was strung out and, you know, weak of mind and spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and so was able to reflect through realizing, I think a lot of times, maybe if someone's in, in, in that state, whether it's a chemical addiction or whether it's just depression or other things, you, you convince yourself that you're not impacting other people you care about sometimes. And I just, uh, the realization was I was, I was hurting people I loved. I was demonstrating a path that other people were, were choosing to follow because of my choice. Mm-hmm. And in, in that way, I was, I was weakening not only myself, but the community around me. And wow. I just realized that that wasn't, it wasn't really what I was ever about. I talked about the character development in the martial arts and those bylaws. And again, I, I mentioned being a teacher or a protector of rights of people. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. That That is what I've chosen to value in life. And I've just gone so far astray, just being angry and hurt about just life, you know, wow. losses and stuff like that. So yeah. <clears throat> I think, you know, really learned a lot in that process. But into that reflection, just realizing, like, well, I can't change the way I feel emotionally instantly. I can I can hope to, but I'm I'm pretty deep in this process. Mm-hmm. I haven't really demonstrated good choices, you know, over and over and over again here and and emotionally and mentally and you know, those those very were very turbulent aspects of myself at the time. Yeah. And so I just felt like, well, shit, the easiest thing I can impact most directly through short-term action was my physical physical nature physical part of myself you know and so yeah. so through that practice and realizing that that was you know very similarly the path of uh the martial practice I, I honed my mind i honed my spirit I honed my emotional intelligence and awareness through the physical practice and i think maybe that's what you're saying yeah. earlier about like how important it is to you know some type of sportive competitive you know mm-hmm. outlet yeah an outlet so Game of Thrones wasn't around yet at that point. So what got what piqued your interest into these unconventional training methods? So like if you guys don't know, like that's your thing, right? Is the the kettlebells and the clubs and 
I mean, we, like we were walking around the Onnit headquarters here, and there is those kind of tools everywhere. Yeah. So, so what got you introduced to those? Because that's not really something that's put out there in magazines and and online that much, at, at least at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, barely now, even right. Yeah. So, um, so shoot, it was really not directly into that realm that that kind of was the bridge. It was uh, Muscle Media 2000 with this magazine that was in print. And they had this guy treating a, a column, Pavel Satsulin, who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great writer. Yeah. Great, great insight. It, it was just really well-written stuff that I couldn't get enough of. <clears throat> so I bought a bunch of his books and info products, and I was like, oh, really started implementing that stuff. Well, he started bringing in kettlebells. And it's like early 2000s. So 2002 is probably when I'm like getting my first shipping of kettlebells he was like the first one right like that started bringing kettlebells yeah more. to the u.s he's like a revitalization like kettlebells yeah. were present long ago and then you know it's like so much of history gets lost mm-hmm. you know and so you know he revisited it uh with the body of work and bringing uh manufacturing kettlebells you know cast iron kettlebells here in the u.s and so i bought in and because i had such positive results a lot of his content was what i used to help rebuild myself pretty efficiently after that stint and uh it was just awesome kettlebells really opened my mind to what other unconventional approaches might amplify my understanding through you know just conventional loading of yeah of, of, you know progressive load of you know barbells and, and dumbbells and like okay well now i'm swinging this off you know uh this uh ex- this kind of levered tool because it's a slightly displaced mass from the handle right so i'm like oh this this whole new level of impact and then got introduced to clubs shortly thereafter by 2003 i you know back to back in the month of september i did the kettlebell certification with pavel and a club swinging cert which also included a whole bunch of weird ground-based movement um that was martially inspired uh through uh, a system called circular strength training and yeah, I just kept on, and, and you were training and other people at that time, right? Not just yourself. Was no, it, man. Actually, was it was just before? for me. Yeah, really. I thought that was to like you. You went from training people to on it, right? Basically, yeah. Like, so, so in two thousand one is when I was starting to overcome my whole lifestyle stuff. Um, so I, I go get invested into all this this unconventional stuff that's barely findable because the internet wasn't around so much yeah. back then it was like vhs tapes and yeah like it was kind of a, a lot harder to source information yeah. so, so i was watching these weird vhs's of how these guys are moving and doing stuff and i'm really inspired um go through this process i don't start training people professionally until 2007 so oh, wow okay so, so you were already five years in the journey i was training people in it. my garage anybody who and anybody who wanted to come by and train was more than welcome to yeah but it wasn't uh, what I did for money. I worked in you know, finance and hotels and okay. uh, with autistic kids. I've done like a lot of stuff in that window. So how did you and Onnit come together just really quickly to kind of cap off the story, I guess? Yeah. Um, so I'm doing all this stuff out in California. <clears throat> I'm mixing and matching a bunch of content and honoring lots of teachers and, and integrating uh, those philosophies rather than allowing them to be disparate. Right. Yeah. So uh, like for me, it's, it's really about like, well, what's the 
what's the everybody likes to argue about what the differences are, but that's really easy. You know, mm-hmm. the differences are also the benefits if you look at them from a different perspective, right? You know, what's complementary isn't the same; it's the opposite. Yeah. So you have to understand how to contextualize that. And for me, what I wanted to do rather than worry about what all the differences were. How about let's start by looking at the through line, the 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 what's continuous. What's what can I say? This where's there continuity in the approaches, and it's it's in principles, right? The mm-hmm. principles drive all these things. They may be very different in the initial observation, but there's underlying principles that are driving any type of positive system, yeah. like any type of systems that are working. Um, and so when uh, Onnit was looking to design some education around a lot of these tools. There's not a lot of people that knew how to do more than one or two of the things. And if they did, they were so far entrenched in those one or two things that those were like the end-all, be-all things. And I think that um, on it is a highly uh, integrative philosophy, you know, total human optimization. We, we touch so many different tools and methods to try to achieve that. Well, why is our fitness system going to be any different? So what we really want to do is be like, hey, everything is validated in its use. Uh, so if it's practical and it elicits a positive response, then we learn how to optimize that approach through mm-hmm. our education system. And then we also learn when one tool is not necessarily the best tool for the job. And then we unattachedly change the the approach that we're going to yeah. take, right? So, So that's kind of... What happened was I got recognized for being one of very few people who could bring that perspective to on it yeah. with, with fitness, and it's just been a wild ride since, man. Awesome. What are some of like the benefits that you saw come from some of those unconventional training methods? Like you're into bodybuilding type training and stuff at first, and you know you probably developed quite a bit of imbalances in yourself, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and probably. Uh, you've seen it in other people as well, like people that have come to you, people that come to classes and people that you've trained and coached where you, you see all these different things happen. Like what are the benefits that you've seen come just from implementing some more functional training and some things that you guys really push harder here than most places even graze the surface on? I think there's, you know, uh, eliciting the type of responses people want. One thing, uh, there's the superficial pursuits, right? I want more muscle. I want... To look better naked, I want to lose X number of pounds. A lot of times, there's there's an attachment to something that really there's not a clear value proposition to. It's just something that we've perceived, right? Yeah. Uh, that we that we desire. Yeah. Um, but then then the process starts, and the process all of a sudden starts to unfold newfound awareness as to what is valuable and what isn't valuable. Man, I start feeling really really good in my body. That actually is more important than maybe losing that other five pounds right now yeah. because I was injured and hurting and, and I was overweight. Now I'm maybe I'm losing the weight a little bit less expediently than I wanted, but actually I, I'm sleeping better. I feel better. I'm happier. You know, there's just so many different things. What's fun about all the different methods and tools is they all provide a unique opportunity for growth. So you're going to find something, a tool, a method that might challenge you physically. True. Without a doubt, that's the the upfront value, right? So what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you in yeah. one way, shape, or, or another. But you might find that the restorative stuff is what challenges you. Remember you said something about the aggressive-natured kid that was in, in, in team sports? Yeah, he needs to balance out. You need to balance out. Yeah. People are stuck in the sympathetic tone so much, those aggressive-natured people. They need to learn how to 
really chill out and calm themselves down and shift into a parasympathetic state at will. And being able to shift between those two things might be one of the most valuable things that that person can learn in life because hypervigilance, when you're using aggressive, your aggressive nature as your primary tool to overcome challenge, at some point in life, it's probably not going to serve you too well. Yeah, for sure. Um, Secondarily, what what if, uh, you know, compression is an issue and strength training typically is very compressive in nature. We're loading with external forces, amplifying gravity. Guess what? Gravity is already compressing us towards the earth. As we age, we tend to shrink because of this, right? The discs in our, in our spine are being compressed and there's less moisture, but we're a fluid body. Well, well swinging weight, particularly like club swinging, uh, offers the ability to, to elicit adapt- adaptation through tractional forces, whoa, that's different. That's a completely different concept. And guess what? Moving through large ranges of motion with low load can be very uh, neurally charging, right? Like Mm. you create uh, and create all kinds of other benefits like, hey, guess what? Synovial fluid flow at the joint level. So you can actually, well, maybe decompress, unload some of these joint capsules that are compressed and dysfunctional, uh, actually nourish them with, their version of this, uh, uh, you know, we have blood flow that nourishes our, our muscles and many of the tissues of our body, but some tissues actually use different types of of uh, nourishment. Yeah. So synovial fluid being what nourishes the joint capsule and uh, range of motion being the stimulus that elicits the response of that natural fluid being available. So, yeah. and how about proprioceptive awareness that comes from that? So people, we, we always look at, well, maybe I, I want bigger muscles or I want to lose weight, but guess what? We're a system that's so much more dynamic than the common level of understanding as we start to impact these other systems. Yeah. Uh, the, so you're kind of shifting people from that, that, that external goal they have to really start to kind of be more aware of their body is that like a good way to put it because they're 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 thinking about how they feel and the energy they have and how their joints are feeling and how they're walking and how they're running instead of just doing something for the calories burned or the muscle put on right without about without a doubt man it's a conscious decision to be involved in the process until be present with your body. Like, you know, you talk about conversation, communication with other people, but, you know, you're not really checking in with yourself too often. You're not yeah. too aware. Most of us didn't, like, get born with the owner's manual, so we really don't know what the hell is up from down. Not a lot of us have invested a lot of energy and time into understanding the science of, of the you know, human function, much less the fact that we're just coming up with a whole bunch of new discoveries in those realms yeah, right now. Right, about, we, we kind of know nothing, right? I exactly. Mean, yeah. I mean, the concept of neuroplasticity is relatively new. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, if you move more in more dynamic ways, it changes the way you think. It actually changes your it's neural crazy. pathways. Well, that's, that seems novel. In uh, Many years ago, you would have sounded crazy saying that, but actually now it's very accepted scientific truth. Right. Right. And so, um, and it's such a short amount of time that we're talking, which is the crazy thing to me. Wait, right? it's like crazy. Yeah. You're, you're talking decades. And I mean, there's so much overall time, right? I mean, it's kind of a big overview on it, but I mean, we're going to progress so much farther. And I, I, I truly do think that like, we're going to go in that direction also. I mean, mm-hmm. seeing more discoveries about how things that we do impact more than we really think. Right. Yes. And I think 
there's this there's this syncing going on that syncing with a y s y n c right uh-huh. this the sync going on between like health to how you look or or if you're focusing on the internal stuff that translates out to the external so i kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that if you get where i'm coming from on sure. how they relate both ways though so like someone who's focusing just on losing fat or getting bigger muscles i'm how, okay with it right because they benefit internally also right exactly goes, so right. like i'm going to give you what you want so I can give you, so I can be in a position of trust. So I can give you what you need. Yeah. You know? So I'm not going to discount that you want bigger muscles or you want to look better naked. I'm perfectly okay with that. If you want to play whatever sport you want to play, even if I think it's silly, I'm okay with that. Whatever sets you afire and puts you in a position where you're willing to invest your time, energy, and passion into a pursuit of improving yourself. I am all good with it, and I will help you do that. But I'm also going to try to give you all these other insights and awarenesses that you could that you hopefully will benefit from that have benefited me and thankfully you know the people i've been able to serve so so um so i'll wrap it all up in a package that gets you what you want but i i feel i'm I'm duty bound to make sure that uh, some of this stuff gets stripped in even under the surface where you can kind of come to deduce these these things on your own to some level so let's let's dive into this um this concept of just feeling better, right? And feeling with more energy and having better joint movement and feeling better in just daily activities. I think my audience, the people that listen to this show, that's really the end goal there, right? Like that's the underlying principle like you're talking about is like that they just want to, I use the example, like they just want to be able to like play with their kid or play with their dog. Man, that's what matters. Yeah, so, so... I think a lot of people aren't optimized, so they don't have that total human optimization, and they don't necessarily know it until they go through this process of, of, of diagnosing themselves through these different tools and movements, right? Mm-hmm. So wh- I, I'm just to start off the conversation, I guess. What are some of the mistakes you see about how people train and how people move or stand or sit or just sure. exist as humans that that you would like to see corrected, whether it's through training or just how we live? I think it, one is just a lack of awareness of self, right? This is true about how we stand, how we sit. Uh, when we move and when we are present physically somewhere, we're consciously, we're, we're no, I'm sorry, not consciously, we're constantly communicating to everybody and anyone around us that's observant. What I mean by that is when you walk in a room, the posture that you walk in the room with says plenty, whether you think it does or doesn't. You didn't say a word, but your body said way more than Mm. you probably could have verbally. How you move, the ease with which you do it, if you're holding your breath when you're doing it, probably infers a a lot about your state of stress, your state of uh, confidence, your state of uh, ease with which you walk through life literally and figuratively and so uh, i'd love to see people be more conscious in their approach to better empowering themselves through a physical means and allowing that to be something that cascades and positively affects them in every other aspect of life but to do that the conversation of the how and the why of what you're doing has to be part of the process so like when you're doing something you have to acknowledge why you're doing it Mm. and doing it to the maximal intent 
in terms of your intention behind what you're doing to reap the rewards because it's not just doing an act to get the outcome is consciously being engaged in the act because mm-hmm. you're yeah. not going to get a cognitive enhancement by being checked out while you do something yeah right so so for us to do something physical and have a a, a mental and emotional positive outcome I have to be engaged in in the process of allowing one to cascade into the others, or to at least to optimize it. Yeah. Right? What, um, a, what about somebody that's that's in the gym, right? You walk into your Gold's Gym, twenty four hour fitness, anytime fitness, and you look around. Like, what do you see people doing that's maybe doing more harm than good? Right? They're probably yeah. there for the right reasons. They're there to improve themselves, mm-hmm. but they may be going about that the wrong way. And I think, I mean, there's probably things that you're going to say that I do or you know that someone out there listening who thinks they might have it all figured out hasn't even thought about. So I'd be curious to hear the some of these little things that we maybe aren't. Sure. Let's see. One is not having a priority of what is, what matters versus what doesn't matter. So in our education system, we want to say, well, let's honor the spine. Maybe it's important. It houses your central nervous system. Uh, if you heard me say I had dealt with some sciatica, if you ain't never uh, had a neck pain or back pain, or if you when you experience it, you'll realize it changes everything because because of the implications of what's housed in the spine and and how that information system has to work for actually any of your organs or muscles or body to function appropriately, right? So yeah. so so if we honor the spine first, you know, then the at least on a foundational step knowing how to uh, centrate your spine with your within your body and own your midline. I think that's really kind of an important part. When people don't have any awareness of that, then it's really hard to justify doing anything advanced or um, anything beyond that at first, right? And so yeah. second is uh, not addressing what is likely going to be, if not right now, in the future, your biggest limiting factor. What I mean by that is, People are so focused on the musculoskeletal system, bone density, muscle size. I think that that's awesome. That's your metabolic furnace. It allows you to generate more tension, potentially. Um, you can also be really efficient and have small muscles and generate lots of tension and have be really freaking strong. But for the most part, all things being equal, muscle size matters in, in those ways. But guess what? Your tendon and ligament health might be of paramount importance relative to your muscular size and focusing on one instead of the other you might be sacrificing something that matters more right now for something that matters less in 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 the sense that uh lots of tension in on the muscles tends to pull in series on these other tissues so they're constantly Mm. under stress and strain if you don't spend time and energy making sure you optimize the health of those tissues guess what hurts it's all stems back to joint pain people don't say my bicep is limiting me from doing stuff you can have a bicep strain but guess what good local circulation means the bicep's probably going to heal you tear a ligament, you fray a ligament, you, you do some, something, uh, tendon, tendinosis, tendinitis. Guess what? Those things tend to stay around a long yeah. time Yeah. and change your quality of life. You said something earlier about just want to be able to get play on the kids. Those are the things that tend to be what keep you from crawling around on the ground. Yeah. My neck, my back, my shoulders, my elbows, my wrists, my knees, my ankles, my hips. You don't hear my, my glute. My glute isn't letting me do this. You know, yeah. you can pull, you can pull a muscle, you can strain a muscle, you can even tear a muscle. Those things tend to rebound a lot better than a lot of these other things that we're talking about. So, spend some freaking time on your soft tissue health. 
beyond just mus- muscle, right? Yeah, what's uh, what's some ways people can do that? If they're sitting at home listening to this or they're in the car or something like that, uh-huh. maybe they're walking on the treadmill, what's what's some like a few things that someone can do that might not have access to clubs and kettlebells sure. necessarily? Oh, you don't even need you don't need any tool, right? So, um one example is we we have a holistic home fitness system called On It 6. It's a 6-week body weight only right now that's our first phase transformation program right and it gives you all these tools of open chain joint mobility like standing joint circles is really what it is right so mm. you're increasing local circulation at the joint level and working through large range of motion that's how you would pay it into your body around those tissues that we're talking about is phase one creating local circulation creating movement movement like motion is lotion you know like sure. if you don't use it you lose it it's kind of, it's kind of like stuff we can accept, but most of us don't move our body through large ranges of motion on a daily basis. So our body or reality is shrinking in on each, on itself versus expanding out. Um, ground-based multiplanar movement is another way to uh, gain better awareness of your body in space and using ground-reactive forces, which are what we learned from when we started the developmental process of our nervous system and our musculoskeletal system being able to function, to stand and walk and do things. We spend a lot of time on the ground. Tummy time is what you call it when you're a parent, you know, sure. with a baby. But as, as adults, getting back on the ground and utilizing uh, this closed chain environment where gravity is actually amplified because you're closer to the ground and you, you have more surface area versus versus standing. You know, right. you have relatively small amount of surface area that gravity can act on when you're standing tall and everything's stacked. Mm-hmm. Once you get on all fours, the points of contact to the ground provide lots of information and the gravity is acting on more surface area. You can learn a lot about your body and space that way and, and, and develop some good sh- strength, structural integrity that I think uh, carries over to the goals that we talked about before. Cool. What about somebody, I mean, my background is training athletes, but this podcast is pretty what I would call like gen pop right i mean like there's a total variety of people what are some differences in in how those people should train or are there any differences do you see with like athletes that are pretty elite that come in here the same issues that you see with like an average person and they're just maybe covered up with higher performance absolutely yes really so and oftentimes bigger structural issues with higher performing athletes you know they're 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 have learned to maximize their strengths like we talked about yeah. to such a great degree that they have a very specialized skill set in terms of their movement as well. Like they're a not, pitcher or something like that. They're not very good movers in general, most of mm-hmm. the elite athletes. They're just really good movers in specific. At what they do. Yeah. yeah. And the cost is, is, is pretty steep. Um, they tend to live in their sport, right? So their posture, as we talked about before, their posture saying a lot. Um, is driven off the thousands and millions of repetitions they've done of their sports skills. Mm. And the cost in terms of imbalances is really high. At the same time, the people that come in their general pot, we're a community of knowledge workers now. We sit at a desk, so it's pretty predictable the way that they've yeah. hyper-adapted to their environments. So it's a lot more specific, a lot more predictable that way. But that being said, each of them needs uh, – to work with somebody who's going to help them get out of the imprisoned, uh, you know, postural state that they've right. played themselves into. It's almost the same kind of concept, only in a different format, right? If it's a p- 
pitcher always throwing with their right arm. Maybe it's me always using the mouse with my right arm or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. So in that way, it's the same but different. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's different. Of course, it's more extreme on that athlete end. But In which case, a lot of these general pop people, they can respond I mean, the, the really elite athlete responds very quickly to certain things, right? Like power output type of stuff. They, yeah. They, they can, they can tap into that a, a lot better than most general population people, but these structural things, a lot of times the general pop people are going to respond faster because like you said, the intensity with which they've reinforced those postural constraints yeah. isn't, isn't at the level that those elite athletes have put tons of power through that yeah, bias, you know? For sure. So it's really hard to adapt them out of it. And, and to be honest, while they're still in their sport, a lot of times I don't want to take them too far out of where yeah. they, they live and where they know where their body is centrated because it could change the way that they perceive their body and space right. and the way that they exercise. That's, that's kind of what's going to be my next question is how would you maybe implement that into strength conditioning or would you at all? Yeah, I, without a doubt. It's just a matter of the difference between in-season, off-season – right type of stuff like so off season i think when you get out of a season your body's beat up yeah you've taken lots of wear and tear take a couple couple take a couple weeks of really just letting it all settle in i think a lot of times most of us are in a hyper a state of hyper vigilance during a sportive season and the psychological unwind of getting out of season all of a sudden you start realizing your body needed more rest than you even thought you know you're just so busy performing Right. Yeah. So after that, then you have the ability to do a reassessment of what the cost of that season was structurally, uh, you know, and from a movement based standpoint, are you in a good position to improve your sports skills in the next, you know, preseason? Right. Maybe we can create more awareness, more movement skills, more uh, some more general broad movement skills that you can tap into and more of a balanced state in terms of shaving away some of that bias just enough so that your joints are not under constant sure. load. You're not in this constant state of tension so that when you go back into your preseason training and you go back into skill development, you're moving better, but you have time to develop on this new platform before you go into high intensity com competi competitive environment where you need to be really confident in your body's ability to do it. So I wouldn't change structure in the in-season athlete you get what i'm saying yeah i do because i think the risk is not in favor of the athlete at that point right they, they need to be really confident and really competent in the way that their body worked at that time and know that they can call on that at it's that like moment. a it's like a car going up a hill and they're they need during the in season they need to be in that high that high rpm range to be able to perform and for sure get up that hill but in the in the off season you need to teach them how to maybe shift a higher gear and get up that hill on the better gear with maybe lower RPM and not in that red zone, right? For yeah. a weird little metaphor for everybody. Yeah, you, there's just, you know, there's just, I think, a completely different approach there. And the nice thing with the general pop people, unless they're really at a recreational athlete that's really competitive, you know, they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, they can just get better all year round, right? Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. So what about your own training? Like what are some things, maybe some mobility drills or some certain training methods that are working for you right now that you're really enjoying? I know you've been pretty busy, so. Man, traveling a lot. Yeah. So I mean, maybe weight. just tips on traveling and training would be good too. Yeah. Body weight stuff is the ultimate equalizer. I think a lot of times people, we like to externalize our goals. Like I moved this bar, weighed this much. 
okay, but how come you can't move your butt up and down without getting winded? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, get off the ground, get get off, get it back up to standing, get back on the ground, do it over and over again. Hey, you're not very efficient at moving yourself. We're always worried about this moving this stuff outside of us. So, like for me, I, I, especially with all the travel, when I'm here, I like to do I like to move external load. But then I get a lot of time moving just my body in yeah. the hotel room and in confined space. And then uh, as I'm getting older, all those restorative practices that I, I harping on, they just become more and more important with life stress and professional stress, travel stress that I've been experiencing. It just shoot, instead of always going more intense, always working on more work capacity or efficiency in being able to do more work in less time intensity is a lot of people would say these days it's not always the answer and people have hyper focused on being like don't do cardio just do high intensity interval training like man every tool has its place so yeah. just understand like sometimes you need to do you need to move and you can get great outcomes by being uh, cognizant of the cost of the type of training you're doing and mm. and mitigating the risk associated with that. So I, when I'm traveling and I'm stressed out, I'm doing like crazy stuff for work and life, I don't do a bunch of high-intensity stuff because the cost is too great energetically, biologically. Yeah. So maybe I'll do some low, long, slow, you know, constant state car- cardio and a bunch of mobility. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'll feel awesome. So what I would say is man, do what feels good and build off of that sensation of feeling good all the time. And you can gradually increase intensity for general population people. Don't be in a rush. Revel in the process. Celebrate the fact that your body is functioning better and better. Progress is progress. Let that be your motivator. So even if it's a small amount of progress, you just got better. Get 1% yeah. better again and again and again. And the slower that you go through that process, the more sustainable it is. Sure. So so I would really like to see more people uh, be okay with that. This is a lifelong process. Yeah. We start a six-week process. That's just the start. That's just the first step in the next towards the next six-week process. Right. You know, it's, it doesn't end. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I knew this would be a good conversation because I was telling you beforehand that um, I, I – I, I tend to be like selfish in who I want to interview, right? Because uh-huh. I know they're going to bring something to me or to my training or to my mindset or even to like growing this podcast or something like that. And I think people my age, like mid twenties and younger, are we don't think that way. You know what I mean? You're I saying mean, I'm old. That's I'm not saying you're old. <laughs> I'm just saying that you're more conscious of things that like I'm. So, so many like me the people that i interact with the people that i know and it's all about pushing really hard and like you kind of have that mindset of no pain no gain still and yeah. you know you just have to just push yourself into the ground i guess instead of doing things that make your body feel better because it's really this long process it's this long game that i think we get really impatient about you know and we get Everybody, I'm sure, is guilty of this as well. But I think even the younger you go, the more it is where you want that that quick result, that immediate result, and you don't really see how maybe what you're doing right now is affecting you three years down the road instead of three weeks. Well, think about it. Like when you're 19, you just probably had a training age of three total years if you started when you were relatively young, you know? Yeah. And so you have no understanding of what any choice you're making has other than 
the very short term, right? And you remember when you're young how long it felt to get through summer? Yeah. You know, or right, how long yeah. it felt to Crazy. get through a weekend when you wanted something the next Monday, you know? It's, yeah. You know, our perception of time is completely different as we age, and mm-hmm. our perception of the value or the cost of choices we've made is completely different. So I, I know I love that conversation. I think we yeah. could go pretty deep in that one. Yeah. Um, but that's just that natural thing that you say, like, okay, maybe I'm not old, but I'm older, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm figuring out or maybe in this transition phase of, of looking back a little bit more and understanding those things and also just um, – Sometimes, and this is this is cool with with training. Uh, it doesn't have to be hard to get better hmm. outcomes. So yeah, uh, you know. So my thing is has been really sneakily just trying to get the best outcomes with the least cost. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, man. If if that was a value, then you're here in Austin now. So you, I know you're local. You got to stop by. We could we can for sure we could play with that theory as it applies to you a bit, and yeah. then. And then you might be able to speak to it a little bit more to your audience. That'd be as well. awesome. That'd be awesome. Anything you want to leave the listeners with that you've been working on? What are some things that you're excited about? Man, uh, you know, we're, we are primarily a longevity and performance system. So we tie those two goals together rather than saying performance system or longevity system. We actually feel that based on just what we just talked about, long-term adaptation, plan long-term adaptation while minimizing backsliding and you know injury is a surefire recipe for long-term performance. And so that's what I said, being, being in the process. Um, uh, I'd love to invite anybody listening to check out the biggest project that I have going on, which is the first phase is the On It Six body weight program. We're going to be doing six-week uh, kind of, lifestyle transformation programs around the various different methods and tools and highlighting the unique nature of each. Remember how you mm. said like, so that you can develop it through, through implementation and understanding of the value of each tool and each methodology uh, and maybe tie it to some, some of these uh, conversations that like you and I are having, like, I'm saying part of the coaching process for me, when I'm telling you why, when you to do something is why you're doing it. And hopefully that, that, opens the mind and allows you to be more conscious in your pursuit. So this first one, the on six body weight program, it involves like the joint mobility, the ground-based movement, multi-planar stuff, and is a great introduction for anybody who might want to just kind of experience or kind of understand better with no need to invest in equipment, what our training system is like and how to, exp- yeah. you know, how to like, develop an awareness of, of the impact of some of these training methods. So, um, yeah, if anybody's interested in checking that out, you know, just, uh, on it.com slash six and, uh, the library will be built out the number six, number six or spelt out either way. Oh, route great. to the same place. Yeah. Perfect. We thought about that a little right. bit. Right. And so start body weight. Then we have a kettlebell program coming out steel mace after that. Wow. Um, awesome. a restorative movement one, uh, a home-based barbell program, and then heavy club. So we got six of them in the works right now. That's awesome. Definitely so, check that out. Uh, where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, Instagram, Coach John Wolf. Yeah. Coach John Wolf. Nice and easy. All right, now put that in the full description of this podcast as always. Thanks for joining me. Awesome, man. Thank I you. I appreciate it. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Wolf from the Onnit HQ. Really great guy, really great conversation, and someone I really hope I can keep in contact with and continue to learn from uh, because that's one of the main reasons why I do this podcast. I know I mentioned in the podcast that I tend to be kind of like selfish with my choices, right? And I mean that in, in actually kind of a good way. I like to choose people for the interviews. I like to talk to the people that I really, really want to talk to that are going to benefit my health and fitness journey, that are going to fit, that are going to benefit me growing my business and me me making something better of myself, right? So I think that's a lesson we can all learn. Definitely listen to what this guy has to say and put into action the things that he talked about in this conversation. Hope you guys liked it. I'll see you guys on Wednesday for another episode. If you liked the show, please review the podcast, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends and family. If you thought this was a good conversation, maybe you shoot someone over to say, hey, come listen to this episode, episode 200-something with Coach John Wolf of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Uh, that's your homework, I guess, for this week. I'll see you guys in a couple days. I'm Jordan, your host, and this is the Triple F Podcast, my interview with John Wolf. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on, on fitness, fitness, food, and, and freedom. freedom.